Hey, how you doing? So we're back again. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Welcome back to the Earthsea Love Podcast. Hello and welcome, welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. This podcast is for and about women of colour and our relationship with nature. Hosted by me, Cherie Mack. The Earth Sea Love Podcast is committed to exploring the experiences of women of colour with Mother Nature. We want to provide spaces where the hidden voices in the environmental and conservation conversations can explore their relationship with the natural world. Inspired by our time spent outdoors, we amplify the voices of women of colour, our stories our conversations, interviews, photography, writing and artwork. We'll be exploring our legacies, histories and memories which have had an influence and effect upon how we perceive ourselves within the natural world and within the environmental and climate justice movements. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. The Earth Sea Love Podcast has been made possible by the funding from National Lottery Heritage Fund. And if you can't tell, I'm really excited to be here again, coming into your airwaves and invading your ear spaces. So thank you. Thank you for coming back to the Earthsea Love podcast and reception or... Yeah, the quality might be a bit off at the moment because I'm coming to you on location. I am actually walking at this moment in Northumberland. I've just come up to the SIL, the National Landscape Discovery Centre. We're going to be doing a walk today with a a group of black women. But um, it's raining, man. It's raining, it's, I want to say, it's a grey and dismal day. (laughs) However, I'm looking out upon the landscape, the rolling hills and the trees. And, you know, we've got the red berries of the rowing tree. We've got those golden, yellow golden leaves on the silver birch. And we've got those wide hands orange leaves of the sycamore tree so I can't really say it's a grey and dismal day because we've got some mist we've got some rain but we've got so much colour um, for my heart to rejoice in so um, yeah man Um, and this episode is the first one in a special mini series that we're bringing out from um, beginning of November and maybe popping into December. We've got five lovely special commissioned episodes with five wonderful, amazing women who are doing amazing things, but who are amazing in their own right. Who they be is enough to celebrate them. But yes, so these are special episodes that are coming out in connection with Northumberland National Park's Future Landscapes Festival. And that festival 
as um, is already started um, and it's going on till December and it's all about exploring, discussing, critically examining how we use how we use the landscape there's within the park there's nature there's people there's wildlife there's industry there's economies and it's actually looking as like what we're using this landscape for now but what can we be doing together in collaboration continue to enjoy and experience this landscape but then also to be protecting it and conserving it and thinking about the you know the climate crisis and and what are we doing to slow that down and and stop it and it's rooting into the local but that definitely has repercussions on a global scale. And that's where we come in with our special diverse voices events that are rolling out in parallel to this Future Landscapes um, Festival. Because we believe here at Earthsea Love that many voices should be at that table where these discussions are taking place about the future of our environment, nature, our planet. And um, if that's what the service we are providing, then hell's bells, let us do it. Because we have a right to be sitting at that table and being part of the decisions that are being made about our climate and our planet our environment and our nature on our doorsteps and globally. Um, So yeah, that's me. (laughs) I'm off my soapbox now. But these are special episodes that we are putting out through the Ursula Love podcast to change that narrative again and to add in our wisdom and our actions and our activism that we are. We are doing, we have been doing for decades, but it's just a case of that nobody's been listening or paying attention and nobody's been giving us any mind. But now, you know, people are beginning to listen. And this first episode is with, has been named as um, one of those movers and shakers within the climate justice movement and she is such a joy man but why are we bringing this one out first because cop 26 baby or more important cop 26 the coalition the people summit this is people on the ground organizing using cop 26 when we have these world leaders coming to glasgow to discuss and make decisions about the climate crisis we're using this all eyes on this cop 26 to actually add in our voices and be you know we're demanding climate justice we're demanding reparations to local communities who are black brown people of color who are facing the brunt of this climate crisis and how that links in with the global south populations who are black and brown and people of color who have been feeling and experiencing and suffering and dying under the repercussions of western civilizations greed exploitation colonialism and that has bringing this climate crisis to our doors yeah so let's take a breather and um, soak in the atmosphere where I am oh gosh there's this mist that's clinging to the the top of a hill there Um, and that would be steel rig which is just half a mile away from the sill Um, and then once you start walking I want to say um, south, I would say, um, along to the Peel Crags, which is a wonderful, a bit of a precarious get up to there. These these depths, these misshapen steps that have been chiseled into the landscape. But once you get up to Peel Crags, you can have a, a 360 view um, back into um, the Northumberland Valley, but then out towards the east. 
And then if you do walk along from these crags, you do get to that iconic Sycamore Gap when we have that tree growing out of Hadrian's Wall section. So yeah, that's me situating myself. And as always, that's how we start off this podcast. Situating herself and what's been happening since the last time we were in touch with her. But there's a lot, there's a lot of um, information in this episode because um, we're not just talking about the situation and how bad it is. We're also talking about action activities that what what are happening and that we feel that the UK government as you know the host of COP26 should be leading the way and doing taking responsibility for their actions in the past and now and actually you know putting their money where their mouth is and looking for greener ways to be doing business i mean we get into the banks we get into housing and it's it's a wonderful episode and the thing is it's not all dire it's not all bad news because as we say we've got so much hope we've got so much joy and this is the thing what Shira bringing to the table because she's she's bringing actions that are happening with the groups that she's working with the communities that she's working with but it's coming from such a such a wonderful place of love and understanding and communication and connection so um I've gone on enough yeah I'm getting wet here but you know liquid sunshine i say liquid sunshine anyway i hope you enjoy this episode this month and maybe into december i'm not sure i'm not sure because it's a case of like we're bringing out an episode for the podcast every friday we've got them lined up we've got them recorded and um i'm excited to share them with you really excited and i hope you're going to stick around for the duration this is the ursula podcast this is season three and it's been a little a little journey into some mini series of episodes and um yeah thanks for being here happy listening till next time bye for now missed your face your presence it's really lovely to connect back again um how are you and also congratulations on the work that you are doing oh. and what you like the the new stuff it sounds really amazing oh, thank, you. thank you i'm good i'm good i've just come back from a week away in a the vw camper um for my for my um 50th birthday present to myself I went to the Isle of Arran and a bit around the Galway and Ayrshire coast and it was it was lovely it was so lovely I didn't really do much you know I just rested and chilled took in the scenery got into the sea a bit walking but I've come back and I just feel so rejuvenated you know I just feel so good in myself and I just want to keep that feeling <laughs> if I can. <laughs> I know it it peaks and troughs, but um, I'm just grateful for that feeling now. Yes. So that's how are you? How are you? Because the last time we talked was summer 2020, and your episode came out in November 2020, if I remember. So tell me what's happened to you since then or what you've been doing since then remind our listeners what you get up to. I'm just excited to share space with you Sheree so I'm gonna like breathe we did our last episode um actually just before George Floyd's murder to be exact I was trying to remember exactly when so really uh yeah lots of different feelings and spaces and thoughts and feelings and head spaces yeah it was the summer of sort of March or just like early spring March April I think 
Um, so lots of things, I don't know, things have like really changed um, for the better, I think. Yeah, I'm sort of a little bit slower at the minute in terms of what I'm up to. Um, it wasn't planned, it was actually quite accidental, but I'm really happy and I think it's like things happen for a reason, like my mom and dad say this all the time. Um, so yeah, I, I think I found myself um, looking for jobs in December and January and finding it really difficult to sort of find anything just the space the environment like it was just really difficult and I think a lot of people were applying for jobs like under applying and all sorts of things but um yeah so that like resulted in like loads of mash rush job applications anywhere and everywhere like selling my soul like literally just anywhere mm. and then um there was just time to rest like lots of rest time and I I think it was needed and it was really beautiful to rest yeah. and volunteer in places like I can't completely rest I have to like like keep busy somewhere even like when I retire and everything like that I think I'm going to be like my parents doing things um mm -hmm. connecting with people so yeah I, I started just like looking around on my doorstep literally on my doorstep like on my road and I thought you go and do all sorts of things anywhere and everywhere else. Yeah. But like, how close am I doing things like on my actual doorstep that's like benefiting people like mum, other people that I pass spaces with just because they're not in a workshop and all the people I live with basically and share space with all the time. So I found like my local renters union and it was just really great to share space. Um, go in and learn new skills and rights I guess about landlords and disrepair and how to take action and power mapping what it all looks like and it was just really beautiful to be in a shared space of people very similar like me mom people who have like had so many trials and tribulations in life and it's sometimes very difficult to see big picture or dream and reimagine what that beautiful future that you want to live in looks like so it's been really beautiful sharing space with lots of different folk, people who have done this sort of work, people who are new to it and maybe have different language around it. And just coming together to see who these local players are, who has the power and how we might shift it. And sort of outside of our heads, but on paper. And it almost felt like games and activities and play, but at the same time, really beautiful. So it shifted really quickly and I love I miss that way of working and I should have said yeah I'm now like back doing hybrid stuff like face to face and in the community so it's been really beautiful to sort of come and join things with no with a like separate to a work hat just as a participant to take yeah. um, and also share space and think about these skills like just because I'm not going through a housing situation right now but I could do in the future um, and if I'm not, I don't want others to go through it. So how can we have conversations? It might be as like basic as talking in my mother uh, tongue and bringing other people on board. So finding some catering to make it look like home and the kind of food that you might have at home in meetings. And they sound like little things, but I've sort of learned these things and now take it back to my own meetings and places of work, just like having really warm, homely, nutritious food to having childcare and games to bring in an interpreter on board or being that interpreter myself or just scoping out the beautiful skills that people have in a room and a space. Mm. Um, the kind of those things. And then just been reconnecting with my dad. I don't know when we last spoke exactly, but my dad's been quite unwell. So we've got some limited time with him. Mm. And we've just been reconnected about his activism in Brick Lane in Tower Hamlets when he first arrived. Um, just like fighting the NF on our doorstep. We still live there, by the way. Um, yeah. So we haven't really moved um, to the housing conversation things I'm having now. So he's like, what do you do with your time? And what are you going there on a Saturday for? What are you gaining? And I went, well, kind of like what you used to do, except landscape might have changed. And although there's not fights going on physically, mm. some of those housing situations, they're all into line with where I live in terms of the air quality in my home, the estate, the tower, to the jobs that we're working on or the lack of it or the precariousness of it all. Um, there's loads of links actually to what you went through in the 70s, 80s. 
to now, not much has changed. And there's lots of things that we can learn from your bits. Mm. So it's been really lovely sort of sharing space with him in terms of like how he came about with his people and they set up a mosque in Brick Lane. And I asked him like, what was it like separate to your prayers and like the spaces and the conversations like when mum wasn't around? So he was saying that's where I found friendship and group and that's how we got housing. So now like in the housing meetings, it's really lovely to see the links and contribute in a way where there's different folk, it's quite intergenerational. Mm. And there are some new younger folk, but I feel really proud like in those meetings to say, oh yeah, like we haven't really moved. We know um, what the area has been like and some of that we can really learn from those like the squatters movements and the Bengali squatters movement in, in particular. Mm. So I've been sort of reconnecting with him in different ways and making those links and bringing his stories together. And it's just been really lovely. We found some footage of him in the VFI archives. And I think like last week, BBC showed 30 seconds of a clip of him. Clip of him. He's just like dressed really beautifully, really smartly. That's what they did in the 70s, 80s when they first came here. They used to dress like, like in ties and shirts and look really handsome. And he was like speaking like really beautiful English, like much better than me. So yeah, we've just sort of been taking it easy and reflecting and sharing space and talking about these things. Separately, I've, I've gone back to community organising. Um, I just have paid titles called community organiser. Essentially, we were doing lots of those bits anyway, um, and we'll continue to do it anyway. I feel really privileged that I have paid work that is meaningful and I'm choosing to be in. Um, when I say privilege, it's the first time I'm working in places where everyone gets paid the same and they really recognise like just different class differences, disabilities. Um, it's just really great. And we take that from platform, which they have a social justice pay guide, um, which is really great. So things are like really great at the moment. I'm around lots of different people who I wouldn't mingle with necessarily. That's because of geography and regional things. And I love it because I think I was going through a pace of like hanging about with the same people and people like me syndrome, really in a bubble of like, we think the same and we move the same. To some context, that's really great. And, but it's been great because of COVID that I've been able to sort of meet and go to different places. So lots of those things are happening. And again, so COVID has slightly lifted our Tower Hamlets, but the Delta came in and it's still affecting our people more so because of like housing issues and the structural inequalities and where we find ourselves in frontline jobs and homes. So I'm like having really beautiful conversations with like people like Uber drivers. It's really wonderful. Some of my work, paid work, non-paid work, they're all intertwined, doesn't it? It is what it is. And we have like beautiful conversations about unions, who are you with, how can we take action and, and those kind of things. Um, and I'm obviously very excited about COP and banner making i did a really beautiful banner making session yesterday and it was so beautiful to see 20 different strangers that you might have shared email threads with but it was just really beautiful just art some worldly music some comforting food it was really therapeutic and i thought i've missed this i want to do more and more of this oh my gosh that is so rich and it's so beautiful thank you for that share I'm doing these emojis here on the screen in response you know first of all going slow and going at your own pace I am so with that that has been my year and having rest uh, I've got it in one of my old visual journals but it has rest is a weapon and I'm sure it was Jason Bourne who said it in one of those movies that he's in you know the Bourne you know the Bourne movies the one it's like rest is a weapon and it is because in order to do all this good work that you are doing making all these beautiful and rich connections neighborhood on your doorstep and but then across generations with your father that takes energy and to keep able to keep doing that you do need to have rest you do need to slow down and be checking in with yourself and to say that you've just done this banner that creative space is where you can actually fill up your pot, fill up your soul. So you can think, yes, I can keep doing what I am doing for myself and others because I am feeding myself. So that was just so oh, oh, beautiful. 
Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Sorry, I miss those giggles. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I hope I don't lose those giggles. Breaking it down a little more because there's two things I think. When I reached out to you to say, would you come back on and, and chat about your work and climate justice? You did say that you were really excited about this new job. Now, is this what you were saying? The paid work, social justice pay. And it's sort of like we're in this together, working together. Is this what you were excited about? Yeah, absolutely. Um you might have not heard of us, but that's actually quite deliberate. And I was gonna tell you it's it's deliberate because. We're a behind the scenes uh, crew trying to support grassroots orgs that have been going for a while, for a long, long time. Um, and then uh, newer grassroots orgs who might be coming up and need some support. So our position is very much in the background, trying to build a rich ecosystem of things that are already going on. But can I ask why? Why is that important? From like a racial justice perspective, there are so many different orgs going, right? And we know behind the scenes there are lots of grassroots groups doing amazing work and there always has been and they'll always continue doing this stuff and it was about it was important to sort of look at it from a care and repair lens and really like pay people for their time and uplift the stories and voices and find ways of highlighting their work should they want to so it's taken advice from people (laughs) Uh, so that might be uh, hooking people up with um, the press, getting articles together, supporting groups to come together and work on their strategic values. So going beyond mobilizing, but thinking about long-term strategic stuff. We already know the experts are there. It's about behind the scenes and offering the tools that might be the tech, that might be the space, that might be budget. Because um, we know people already have the ideas and they've been doing some of that. So. That, that's what it was and about connecting people up but separately to COP uh, we know our houses have been on fire for over 500 years and COP although it's exciting we've been recruited for building momentum and almost acting like a sponge to new groups so so it's actually also beyond COP and recognizing what else needs to be done and the the long-term stuff and it's an exciting group of people uh, who have like so many years of experience working from all sorts of different places. So it's just really wonderful to share spaces. I think there's like 10 people from different regions. And Sheree didn't say what's really beautiful is, you remember we were talking about building our power event. I'm working with the organizers from there. So it's like a dream come true. And I think my interview was really, really funny. And I was convinced I wouldn't get it because I started just talking about that event and them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, I hadn't realized you were involved. This is amazing. But I think I just really love the way they work. It's not about centering yourself. Yeah. And it's about not getting bigger or anything. But it's about you really believe in transformational work and getting everyone on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the way you do it. So I wanted to tell you that it is some of those people. And it's really beautiful. And like now I'm like, I calm down now and I get on with my work. But at the beginning, I was like, ah, oh, sort of declaring my love and I can get with it. But it is phenomenal because sometimes I think people do so much and, you know, people don't shout about the stuff that they do. Um, and I just think that is so good that you are working with people that you admire because that should also reinforce how you see yourself. That should be. And it's not a case of centering yourself, but it just shows that you are doing the work as well alongside them. And that is that is inspiring. That is so inspiring. And that is a journey, you know, because when we were talking about it and what was happening when we were first talking to now, and that is like that is real progress in a short space of time, if you think. And that's amazing. It's funny that you say that. Someone once said, we do it in facilitation games. And we say, ah, when we're building a container, we always say, right, think of somebody that you don't know so well, um, but you really admire three qualities about them. And then you just share the three qualities. And then someone told me, do you know why you chose those three qualities? And I went, no, that's what I think of that person. Mm -hmm. And they were like, the reason why you've chosen them those qualities are your qualities, actually. And I was like, what are you talking about, huh? Um, 
But it was really interesting exercise. Think of somebody that you really admire. Think of their three qualities. Someone that you maybe you don't live with or have like a real personal relationship. Yeah. Their three qualities. You have those three qualities. And it was a game changer reframing of things that I thought about myself, in particular to what you said. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. And that and that's what we need. And you know, when we think about the work that we're doing, we have to do a lot of work on ourselves to actually be able to do that. And that's, that's, I think that's the best way is that we work on ourselves so we can bring the best, the best version, the best of ourselves out to be of service to others. And I think that what you just said is so true. And it's like, these are the, these are the qualities that we admire in somebody else, but actually we have these qualities and it's just recognizing them. And then I don't, I don't care. People say it's about blowing your own trumpet or this arrogance or whatever, but I don't see it. I see it as blossoming, blossoming us ourselves, you know, because like who else is going to do that? Who else is going to do that? You can make a nature link somewhere. And with your- <laughs> of course, no, really- my language. <laughs> and then it's it's been really great to sort of look at the care and pair lens and also look at the colonial links and really talk about these things in a really safe, safe space with the groups that you might work with, um, making the link to sort of um, the fossil finance industry, looking at who finances what and how we can uh, tell the stories from indigenous communities, um, whether they're Pacific climate warriors or the MAPA youth strikers. It's been really lovely to work behind the scenes to help their stay and London um, as go as smoothly as possible, but obviously that's working with many other different orgs and people. So it's just been really wonderful to like plan an action co-creatively with others, co-lead it with so many different people and then seeing some of that come together. Mm. Um, so for example, we're gonna be at Lloyd's of London, the insurance place, and we're doing climate memorials, really like highlighting frontline testimonies um, from, the financing that Lloyds of London does all over across the globe and has been doing um, and highlighting some of those atrocities and stories and it's been done in a really beautiful way of passing flowers to members of the public Mm. to work in those buildings who might not be aware so it's just really it feels really global but yet local Mm. and there's going to be climate activists from Bangladesh and the Philippines and all over so it's just really beautiful. I think people have missed coming together, but also not forgetting that, yes, it's joyous and really beautiful, but we want to center and, and bring all these voices together. So who wouldn't love this kind of work? I feel really lucky and really privileged to share space. And we have check-ins and lemon squeezes to check <laughs> on. Are we happy? Yeah, it's, and I just miss the movement building and seeing where we are reflecting. It, it feels really good. And I feel like like waiting and all the things up to and leading to has, has been really useful. I still have like other part-time work and the freelancing option is really great. It gives you more time to like go off anywhere and take that recuperation time. So yeah. I saw a little bit of Devon for the first time, which was really nice. Um, Devon, the New Forest and a couple of other places to do that. It was really beautiful. Um, it sounds like work but it's really beautiful laying flowers somewhere and reading testimonies from other people and then also contributing I'm going to make sure my signs are in my language um, I think so it's just really beautiful resting making placards with other people and sharing that space and just meeting people for the first time and then finding out oh my god like we might appear really differently but it's just really great to see all of us coming together to fight the same cause yeah. um I think it's just great. Some of the groups are linking housing and climate justice together. And I think that feels really personal at the moment and very true just because of the location that I'm in. Mm. Um, and like my bar has been in the news recently for the mold and the conditions that people are living in and the silent killer that no one can see and just power distribution and what it looks like. So I'm really excited about doing power mapping exercises with people I find it the most fun thing ever I sound a bit geeky but that's my thing at the moment and has been in the last year so sometimes I get freelance work to run a campaigns workshop with um, 18 to 25 year olds um, 
like what's your cause that you care about mm. and how can we map out who the different players are how can we shift people who might turn up to meetings and sit there and join but sometimes can't take part for different reasons We're also like sensitively looking at why that might be and how we might be able to shift it without adding too much pressure on people because we really recognize there's other things going on in life and yeah they are quite intersecting but how do you do it in a caring way without burnout on other people especially if you've gone through that stuff why would you so it feels good and I feel like I feel like it sounds like a show off but quite experienced at the moment in terms of like having been in places where you can see like I don't know it's not really welcoming and learning from some of that and then making sure like you can make a little contribution somewhere to make sure that might not happen or somebody else doesn't go through that and it's a joint thing but I feel like I'm in shared spaces where people also recognize that and I've come from various places to make sure those harms are not um recreated and that kind of stuff I mean you keep saying it and all I keep saying is so it's so beautiful because out of this ugliness is this be- this beautiful connection and when you're describing what this this work that you're doing which is paid and also the freelance it's like what we've just said about that rest and support that we need to keep doing the work you're doing it as a personal person but then with the work that you're doing in organizations, they're supporting people who are doing the work as well, you know, those grassroots organizations that are doing the work. And it's like, what can we do to support you? Lighten the load a bit for you so you can keep on doing your work. And like, it's just, it is, it's beautiful because what is happening is like, you're saying you're not alone you're not alone we are here we respect you we we want to help you do more of your great work we recognize you we see you you know when you see that black person in the street man and like for me up north we don't see each other that often so when we see each other we give that recognition of a nod like yeah man I see you. I see your existence. You have worth because you are just here doing what you're doing. So I love it. I so love it. And just picking up, you said about COP26, little mini series of episodes from Earthsea Love are coming out of the Future Landscapes program from Northumberland National Park Authority. And at the same time that they're doing their Future Landscape program is the same time of COP26 yeah and it's purposely done that way because they want to be opening up these avenues for dialogue and they want to put Northumberland on the map as a mover and shaker in thinking about climate crisis and what what they can do in terms of land use or alternative land uses so COP26 can you say in a nutshell what COP26 is or gonna be about yeah, absolutely. So we know, you know, this November, Boris Johnson's government hosts is going to be hosting like one of the most important international meetings of our time, the UN Climate Crisis Conference, which we know as COP26. They're going to be talking about lots and lots of different things and delegations. We, we know the UK has an outsized historic responsibility to do its fair share and lead the world in meeting global climate goal of 1.5. Um, set by the Paris Agreement, but we know that our country here is disproportionately responsible for carbon emissions after profiting over 400 years of slavery, colonialism, and continued extraction and exploitation of communities in the global south. We hear about the greenwashing pledges, don't we, to get to net zero. The first thing you do when you find yourself in a hole is to stop digging. There are red lines in the UK, government cannot cross it if it wants to maintain credibility as a genuine climate leader. So it must start providing the care and reparations that communities here and around the world need to protect themselves and really repair the damage already done, right? Mm. Um, so we're hoping that people will join and call the UK to, to sort of join us to, to stop and start demands. So some of the stop demands that we have um, is, is about climate justice means keeping fossil fuels in the ground right now. Uh, so real climate leadership from the UK would mean they stop coal, oil, gas and fracking projects, stop giving money to the polluting industries, uh, stop banks, insurers and other private financiers from supporting and profiting from fossil fuel extraction, they'll stop fossil fuel militarization and new infrastructure like roads and airports, 
hopefully stop debt collection from renewable South countries and marginalized communities within UK, hostile migration policies they need to stop with privatizing public spaces and community infrastructures. Instead, we'd like to like demand like climate justice means securing finance for care and repair our communities that our planet deserves. The real climate leadership from the UK government would look like, you know, if they start um, make polluters like coal, oil, gas and companies pay climate reparations, they start to invest in good green jobs, especially for workers transitioning from high carbon industries and projects and those hit hardest by the climate impacts of COVID-19 and precarity. I hope you start democratizing housing and community infrastructure and land access with strong social policies for climate harms that the UK drives from around the world, to democratise the financial industry to force a just transition, reverse the cuts to overseas aid and promote debt relief and cancellation. Um, so those kind of things, they're kind of um, and enabling young people to co-create education that serves well-being, thriving and sustainable communities and giving, I guess, decision and power making to communities on the front line of health, climate, economic and social injustices. We're hoping that folks in London will be joining us on November the 6th um, to co-lead the reparations block with us. Mm -hmm. um, so it's going to be really beautiful and bold. And we're asking people to co-lead it right from the beginning. And the banner at the front will be Retrovious banner. Mm -hmm. um, we think those messaging uh, is really key to this day um, and what it said five years ago to what it says today not, not much has changed so we're really excited about bringing people on board uh, some of us are going to Glasgow uh, we recognize that everybody can't go um, and then some of us are going to be in London and we're inviting so many different groups to come and make it really beautiful and bold if people can't go we're asking people to video themselves um, and there's going to be really beautiful uh, projections and soundscapes for the group uh, frontline communities from Pacific Islands to Indonesia to Bangladesh really hearing beautiful stories from them from their side of um, how they defend their land and how they have been so so we're really excited about all of that and you says this is the 6th of November or for the duration of COP26. I mean, where do we find out information about this if we wanted to get involved? So you can go on the COP26 website, um, but I would love for you to go to um, the Climate Reparations um, website where you can find out about London actions and the Glasgow ones uh, looking at the care repair and the reparations block in particular that I've just talked about mm -hmm. um, but we're going to be uh, meeting at the Bank of England uh, at 11am and there's going to be beautiful doll players food breathing exercises so I think it's going to be really beautiful this time around like I think it's going to bring in lots of different people who might have not found themselves welcomed or involved or people who might not come to matches or protests before it's going to be a mixture of different groups coming together and I think it's going to be just because of the organizer sunrise is involved also it's just going to be like super lush and I think everyone should come and co-lead it I think that's the important words there um yeah well one of the important words there is lush because I don't think lush is used enough, but co-creating, um, definitely. And what you were saying about co-creating or co-educating, you know, having that space to think for ourselves, make decisions for ourselves, to, this is where creativity can come in. But if we, as we know the current situation of education, there isn't that space to be, to be, thinking individuals individuals that come together as a collective it's just like you know factory fodder learning by rote memory yeah exactly so yeah so we're gathering at 11 a.m at the bank of england november the 6th mm -hmm. so uh, economic political and social infrastructures are failing uh, to protect life and need repairing right so at the cop 26 coalition 6th of november 2021 uh, the global day of climate justice london rally organizers from wretches of the earth stop the manzanini london renters union no more exclusions revoke platform tipping point um, and others will co-lead a reparations block demanding systems change um, and the website is climatereparations.uk i'm not sure 
if it came out after our first conversation or not, but you were featured in a list alongside alongside a hundred other excellent and beautiful people of colour who were in their climate movement. It was the document which climate reframe and it was to amplify the voices of BAME, B-A-M-E, people within the environmental movement. I mean, BAME is an issue now. We like to use maybe people of colour. You were cited in there as an environmentalist who's a mover and shaker and changing the way people think or who they actually see as part of the environmental movement. And what I wanted to ask you was what what was it like to be named in that document? And has it sort of like changed your view of yourself or has others changed their view of you? Does that make sense? It was a, yeah, it was, it's a really beautiful, um, hundred voices climate reframe document put together full of like wonderful wonderful human beings who have been doing amazing work for like a long long time so I'll be honest with you I think when I first saw my name on it I had the giggles I was like oh my god what is this this is ridiculous I'm next to Beth Collier who set up Wild in the City like this is ridiculous I'm next to like all the people that I absolutely love and they've been doing so much of their work for such a long time and I learn off all the time um so I find it, I found it quite funny and all of those kind of things. Um, and, and like hugely, hugely happy, obviously. I was a little bit shy at the beginning. Um, now, I kind of think it's really great and we should be seeing and celebrating so many different voices who've been doing work, but also like newcomers or like new people on the scene who have been like inspired by people who've been, because, you know, it's a movement, right? We're going to have, the point is we want to build like, power everywhere and we want so many people involved so it's it's been an honor to be on there with so many different folk who have been doing so many amazing things but also really recognizing that's only 100 people and you know 100 might have seen like a really good number at the time and there are so many others for various reasons names are not there and we know between us and everywhere they do amazing things all the time I share space with so many beautiful human beings who do so many things so it's, it's been really great in terms of getting work, um, just a Shira, which is really, really great. Uh, separate to an NGO or some other place, I decided I should fix my Twitter and all those things. And it's, it's been great to get some love or new ways of connecting and other people saying, can we talk? Would you like to be on a panel here? What do you think about this? The truth is majority of those calls came through straight after George Floyd's murder. And there was a reshape like everybody wanted to have DNI working groups suddenly and as as part of that there were lots of call outs um they were great for me I went along um I still go along uh but really recognize that I can't go everywhere and it's not about me so I actively share and share those opportunities and call outs to people in my networks for fun because I think that's what we should be doing uh separate to that reframe list I actually share and say hey thinking again uh, this is a paid opportunity 30 minutes for your time talking about what it's been like for you because I guess those opportunities were my way and I came and found those and then made connections and people remember and so I make sure I do the same elsewhere um one because it's really important no one's on a pedestal and it's important if we want to bring everyone on board we bring in and look at who's not in the room or recognizing the important work others are doing separate to being on a website or having a big following so yeah looking at sort of positionality and finding people so it's been great I think they're working on a stage two element of what that looks like so that's one element I think it's great and I think people should be looking at it and referring to it and I think it was mainly for media spokespeople or like media to come to the climate reframe people and ask it was like a one document place to go to um, but I think since then, and separate to this, there's also amazing, wonderful things that go on deliberately that might not come to you. You just have to go find them and they exist with other amazing people. So it's, going, it's been going well and you still get emails and things saying, do you want to get involved? And I met some wonderful humans online connected. And sometimes we have Zoom meetings to connect and see what the next stage should be. But yeah, I think there should be more of those everywhere. Um, 
include more voices, more younger voices. I'm, I'm so interested in like hearing and seeing a variety of voices from black indigenous backgrounds, working class voices in particular. I, I have a thing, I just, I just, it's, it's amazing, but I just think it needs to have more working class voices like mine, um, uh, queer voices, people from, uh, people with disabilities, just everywhere. Yeah, it could even be better. So it's, it's great, but there's still a long way to go in terms of a great document. There should be more and we can learn and do bigger and more beautiful things. We are going to link to it through the show notes. You know, when I'm writing, sometimes I'm too much in my head and nothing gets on the page. And I think, as I say to others, which is easier than to myself, it's like, get something down and then you have something to work with. Then you can do some rejigging or moving around or redrafting and I think this is what climate reframe is has able to do there wasn't anything like that before now there is and now we've got it and it's a start and like how can we develop on that and as you're saying that's what you're meeting and thinking about stage two and how we can develop and how we can bring in more voices and for me I saw it as a platform a way of elevating those voices that are out there doing the good work and yeah there would have to be a limit you know because like there was the time and the energy that went in it. But as we said, it's the beginning. It's not a one-time only thing. And I think that's the most important thing about the groups and the people and the way that we want to work. It's not just that one, We, you know, so we want to tell powerful stories connecting COP26 moment um, that reaches new audience and possibly for, you know, absorbing new activated members from communities and deepening people's engagement. Um, and we're hoping to leverage that COP26 moment of whirlwind which will have the world's attention right mm -hmm. and so having the right groups there uh it will give the opportunity to reach new members within our communities and really ensure that our groups can grow and have lasting grassroots power beyond this like that's so important to contribute to building movements capable of driving system change but it is about, as you're saying, it is about using this as a vehicle and a platform to be visible and to be vocal and to grab attention and grab attention in such a beautiful, harmonious human connection. Well, human nature connection way. It's about changing the narrative, basically. Who has a right to be speaking up to save Mother Earth? Who has been doing it for decades and who hasn't been listening to? And it's a case of like, time's running out, man. Time is running out. But we're not, we're not, we're not doing it from a place of anger or hate, but we're doing it from a place of love. And I think that is the most powerful, the most powerful energy and connection that we have as human beings with our, each other and also with with nature with with mother absolutely Earth. Sheree and I guess I wanted to add you know like so many people in East London like in my community we find so much more in common with people in the global south than we do with like people across the road in Westminster and so I'm hoping that so many different groups will come, right? Talking about our shared struggles, shared solutions and connecting communities from East London to Ogonia land. And we've been holding beautiful workshops and banner making to like really make the links and show people in the UK have increasingly understand the global impacts of the climate crisis when they see what's being played out around the world for years happening here already. People's homes flooded year on year, the temperatures are on average soaring across the company. And it's not just the effects of the climate that connect us, but also the causes too. So it's been really great having those conversations and understanding the ways and the fates of working class people from New and Hackney, Bethnal Green uh, to Ogoniland and how it's all intertwined um, and looking at the main players of the centre of that connection and looking at Britain's banks mm. and how they continue to fund the global fossil finance industries and really accelerate that climate crisis that's wrecking havoc in parts of the global south and here. And I think that's what's been missing. I have my mom, this is where my anger comes into it. Um, and it is, it's like that Malcolm X quote, or now the chickens are coming home to roost. And it is that issue of 
now it's on your doorstep now you're paying attention and i'm thinking of the uk and america and if we've been seeing extreme weather conditions and it, it does make me mad to think of like the pacific islands say or caribbean islands which have disappeared because of the rising sea levels and it's a case of like it's not their actions that have resulted in this it's actions within the western world that have brought this to bear on these communities and who are black and brown basically and so that's my where my rage is but then at the same time I also have to give props and say all right at least people are paying attention now and when I say that I mean white westernized privileged people are paying attention now and it's a shame that it's taken so long but this is an opportunity that you know we're all we're all more or less singing the same songs here like let's let's save save the earth let's save ourselves let's save the earth sort of thing and let's try and do it together now that's the positive I feel that's coming out of this time trauma pandemic no absolutely oh my goodness you know, like working class people who are often black and brown, like you said, in the UK are exposed to higher and higher levels of air pollution or the public services that we all rely on and live by and mm-hmm. have been decimated by austerity. At the same time, swaths of people in the global south are living in countries that are so indebted to banks in the global north that they can't invest in the same, in some of the mechanisms that they desperately need in order to respond to the climate crisis, right? Like healthcare, food, defense, flood defences, housing and community-owned renewable energy and like you said the ties between people who are exposed to poverty and the climate crisis are complex but they are very real and we said you know in many ways there are grossly unjust results of environmental degradation people in east london have more in common with communities whole continents away than they do with politicians just nine miles down the road in westminster right elections show um an often hidden element of what we mean when we say climate crisis in the global south so that's why on November the 6th, we're co-leading a climate reparations alliance as part of COP26 coalition's global day of action. So the coalition brings together climate justice groups and individuals that are calling for climate justice and the reparations block and our demands that we talked about um, centre justice for working class people in the UK and also around the world. Um, you know. And that's the link here. We're linking the local with the global. And we're saying, seeing that, you know, this is what's been happening to the global population. And this is also what's happening to people on our doorstep. And they're related. They are connected. And it's about making those links and understanding them and appreciating them and, and saying, like, it's not a them and us that's going on. That It's a we it's a we and that's what's been missing and I totally get it because it's it's a case of like the global south has been bearing the brunt but there's also people within our own communities who are bearing the brunt and it's about now of like recognizing it and leveling it up and it's making things equitable when we can be doing so much more for those who are on the front lines Yes, and you know, for, for that to happen, countries like the UK who have played the biggest role in creating that problem must do the most in solving it after hundreds of years of exploiting the global south. It, it's only right and fair that the government takes responsibility. And that That's responsibility, it. yeah, must be about regulating banks that are funding that climate crisis and making the fossil fuel and agribusiness industries disproportionately responsible for emissions at the center of paying for a green and fair transition. Um, So that's also why many of us will be coming out on the 29th of October. So that's just days before COP26 begins with calls for banks to defund climate chaos. So we'll be standing with frontline communities from Colombia, Indonesia and the Pacific. And I think what you just said there is about the UK taking responsibility. Got to hope, we've got to hope, we've got to have that glimmer of light. Otherwise, why are we doing what we are doing? But it is about taking that responsibility and not putting the blame elsewhere, which we're quite fond of doing, of pointing the finger elsewhere, but not actually looking in the mirror ourselves and see what the the destruction, the exploitation, the extraction, the damage, the 
what we've been doing. And I say we, I mean, the British, the English, UK, Western world, which we've been doing, as you're saying, for hundreds of years. And until that is recognised and taken responsibility of, then things are not going to change. There's just going to be a plaster on a on a massive gaping wound, oozing, oozing wound. <laughs> I love your visuals of the plaster. Absolutely, you know, we know as the climate impacts accelerate, those who cannot afford insurance and in place of other states have failed to invest in flood defences or prevent coastal erosion from Yorkshire and London to the Bay of Bengal and Lagos. There is an alternative, isn't there, from we, you know, from cultivating nutritious local food that ensures soil health and crop diversity through to democratizing solar and wind energy generation and unifying green accessible transport for everyone. Mm. So there are so many different ways and alternatives of doing mm. things. To do that. And I'm glad you mentioned that because those are ideas. Those are um, projects, those are things that we could be doing. And if I'm thinking about Northumberland here and, you know, part of this future landscape program, this is something that they could be looking in at because there is, you know, we're saying about climate justice, but that links in with racial justice and that links in with land justice. And that comes back to those power dynamics and those like the power mapping and who's got the power. Because if you've got the power, you you have a say in the discipline. What are your plans, Cherie? You you are also doing amazing and wonderful things. I um, don't know what my plans are. <laughs> my plans are to continue to have difficult conversations. Yeah, with whoever, because at the moment I'm doing stuff around anti-racism, anti-racism education in predominantly white organisations because, you know, they've got the power. They've got some power. I know I've got personal power. We've all got some personal power, but they've got some power that they need to actually pass on or give up. Or, yeah, it's actually about giving up. It's about passing the mic. Do I have a number of devices that I use to get that power? You know, I can smile and be charming or I can demand in a, in, in a polite way or I can actually um, sweet talk and educate you and make it out so it's your own decision. <laughs> You've come to the own decision yourself. <laughs> but it is, it's a case of like, it's like you have the power to be passing the mic, bringing people into the conversation, bringing people into the room and not in a sense of like you're doing it as like a white savior or performative allyship, but it's a case of like, are you in the room? Well, I'm listening. I'm shutting up and listening. I'm not centering myself. You have the platform. You have the stage. Whatever you want is at your disposal. The resources, the finances, the the amplification. That is. Those are the conversations that I am having now and enjoying having it. And then it's a case of like, once I get my foot in the door, then it's like, okay, come on, everybody. <laughs> and then it's the group, and then it's the organization. And it's a case of like before we know it, it's like we're no longer that one lone black face or black voice in the room but we're actually a, a posse or a crowd or a group or you know we're there in numbers oh I'm getting warm and fuzzies and all sorts of feelings <laughs> I, I totally hear you it's so important to have these like transformative conversations with those people that mm. you oh, absolutely of course I totally get it um so and the nice. flip side, the flip side is making sure that we are getting together, get still brown and black bodies, either virtually or physically within nature and making sure we have our rest, that we are healing, that we have these safe spaces where we can just let it all hang out and not be judged and not be, you know, ostracized or, you know, or silenced. It's like, it's, so it's having those two in in tandem or in balance and i'm libra so my whole life is about having this balance <laughs> <For Aries>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, i love like safe spaces and one of my safe spaces is um 
world in the city. You know, the fact that you can go on walks, you know, Black Girl Hike is another one. There's is a bit similar to the work, the amazing work that you're doing. And I wish there was more of, um, because obviously I didn't see that in school. And the truth being is I've only accessed all of that through college, university and secondary school education and youth clubs, like exposure trip, trips and overseas and kayaking and boat clubs. Mm -hmm. um, it's so great to see the leadership program back on again. Um, in terms of training up people to take groups to the countryside and lead walks yeah. to no background experience necessary. They train you up, show you so you feel confident enough to spot ID, countryside codes yeah. from gear to walks to what you should be wearing, uh, plant identification to all sorts of other things I'm probably missing. But um, that's something really beautiful that I've seen pop up again and the kind of thing, ah, this yeah. is amazing. I can't wait that's to like go the thing is, it's always been there. There's always been this Black environmental network. But what is happening is that it's expanding and that it's getting some exposure and airplay. And I think that's just going to help and support the sustainability of it, you know? Absolutely. I love the way you were talking about redistribution of power and spaces. Um, yeah, I would love to see it, you know, in more places and stuff. Um, some shifts I can see, but I hope to see more of it. Yeah, um, time, man, yeah. time. You know, we have just been saying, this has been the like, case like for 400, 500 yet. So like, it's not gonna happen overnight. So we're in it for the long run. That's where we're going slow and steady, man. Slow and steady, taking our rest as we go. <laughs> taking our rest as we go. And on that note, I'm going to let you go because you have given so much. I mean, like, so I just like to say a lovely, lovely, lovely shares and your time and your energy and the work that you're doing. And let's also underline it is like we're using this cop 26 as a vehicle but this is going to be work that's going on um beyond our lifetime but this is our contributions that we can do now while we're still here yeah absolutely um Shereen, thank you so much like I, I absolutely love sharing space with you there's something really comforting I remember like starting this off and then now I don't want to go <laughs> <laughs> to share physical space with you or oh like or like be in the sea with you at some point i like recently discovered wetsuits and the different um thickness, thickness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no definitely that would be a pleasure a pleasure to meet in person and spend time in nature with you so thank you thank you so much for your time thank you so much lots of love